Hello and welcome to the Impact Wave Short Waves Lasting Impact Podcast Series. We're joined again by Dr. Rachel Cavallero, licensed clinical psychologist. Rachel, so great to see you again. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And I am going to start this uh, podcast by breaking two of the cardinal rules of hosting and broadcasting. And that is, is that you never make the podcast or the broadcast or whatever you're doing as the broadcaster about yourself. Well, I'm going to go ahead and make it about myself right now because the topic we're talking about today hits me pretty well. Um, you know, throughout my life, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. I've been diagnosed with depression and diagnosed with anxiety, which most people who know me, uh, you know that pretty much the minute you meet me, that I have a lot of anxiety. And, um, you know, the thing is that a lot of days I do wake up and my first thought is, oh, hell no, or I just don't want to get out of bed. And then as much as I wish I could be, you know, like the I woke up in beast mode or I wake up and I'm going to tackle this, this and this and I'm going to run, you know, 10 miles and do this. Like my thought of a wonderful day would be like sitting on a couch with my neighbor's dog who's so chill to cuddle up with watching sports and eating like great delivery food that's delivered to me friend style where like they don't even get it at the door they make the delivery person come in or make their neighbors bring it to them in their chair um that doesn't mean that i don't get up and go to work and do the things that i gotta do but it makes it really hard for me um and and yet i i do do those things but you know as i said i've, I've been diagnosed with all those different things and how how do you even begin to to tell the difference or what it is that you're really struggling with, especially because I hear so much that, you know, these days they're like, oh, well, the cool trend is to diagnose everyone with ADHD or to say this or that. And so how do we separate um, kind of, you know, expectation or kind of, you know, like what's cool versus what's reality? Yeah, right now there is an overwhelming amount of i would say misinformation on social media that adhd and the appeal of it um, is everywhere and there's so many TikToks. i'm getting a lot of referrals because they do psychological assessments so this can be used for diagnostic clarification for people who've had multiple diagnoses uh, they're not making the progress that they want to make in treatment or they're just genuinely curious about what's going on and I've had so many people come to me recently uh, for ADHD evaluations. And oftentimes when I'm asking, you know, what are your symptoms? The, the first response is, well, I saw this on TikTok. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, because one of the cardinal symptoms of ADHD is having a hard time paying attention to things that aren't interesting. Well, this is something a lot of people can relate to. Right. This, this doesn't mean that you have a clinical diagnosis. A clinical diagnosis shows up when it starts impacting your life. That these are the reasons why you're having a problem. And a, and a big one lately is motivation. People keep coming to me and saying, well, I'm not motivated. I'm not motivated. I can't do it. So I, you know, I must have a mental illness. And although these things go hand in hand, struggling with motivation is not a core symptom of ADHD. And I think that's one thing that's really getting pushed out there is uh, this idea that if you're unmotivated, that must mean you have ADHD. No, not necessarily. Um, 
especially people with depression, they struggle with motivation all the time. And this is something that can get lost as well as, you know, sometimes people just have a hard day and they, they don't want to do the things. Um, and the, the big difference here is that you know, the, the motivation thing becomes like a justification really for the behavior. So when you want to make a change, you have a choice. You can change your behaviors to match an attitude or a belief, or you change your belief to match your attitude and behaviors, right? So I'm unmotivated, so I can think about, well, I'm not going to do anything because I'm unmotivated. And that maintains that, right? So then it's the way I'm shifting my beliefs versus I'm not motivated, but I could change my behavior. I could do one thing. I can get out of it. I can make my bed. I can just go get a cup of coffee, right? And once you start there, that's where you start making the changes. Motivation is about getting the ball rolling. When we talk about treating this, the symptom in depression, most of the treatment in the initial stages is about, we call it behavioral activation. It's doing the smallest behaviors possible. And when you start doing those behaviors, you get motivation. So we need to like dispel this idea that you wake up with motivation. Again, I think this is another problem with social media. Like you're saying, Mark, people are saying, I woke up in beast mode. My friend, you are blessed if that's how you wake up every day and I commend you. Uh, but most people aren't going to wake up like this. Um, but if you start making some good healthy habits, you can create that and it can become easier for you. And, and this is really the difference between motivation and self-discipline. And I think that's that's so important because it's kind of, you know, kind of like the snowball down a hill. The further it goes, the more momentum it gains. Um, but at the same time, you talked about it, people like, oh, I learned this on TikTok or I learned this on, um, you know, Twitter or, or whatever. And, and there's just so much misinformation out there, like you said. How do you get people to be to begin to separate fact from fiction or how do you get them to say, OK, well, I need to think about uh, where this is coming from or who this source is. Uh, my dad will always say, oh, I read this article that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And my sister, who's a doctor, will always say to him, well, is it peer reviewed? <laughs> and so I think that's like a, a great thing because it's challenging him to say, well, you know, who's your source? And just because it's there doesn't mean it's true. And so what is kind of the guidance that you would give to those people who say, well, I learned this on TikTok or I saw it on on Instagram or Twitter. I, I just remember it's the same thing as one time I took a poll that was like, you can drown in it if you ingest too much of it, X, Y, and Z, you'll die. And it turned out to be water. So the yeah. same thing that can kill you is the same exact thing that you need in order to sustain you. And mm -hmm. so just kind of how can we go about realizing that and beginning to question what we're reading and where it's coming from? It, I mean, we're naturally curious as a species so that's not a bad thing the hard part is when people really attach to it and if you are relating to these symptoms again not a bad thing i think it's just important to talk to a mental health professional about it especially if these symptoms are creating a lot of problems for you so um 
whether it's a lack of motivation, whether it's a lack of concentration, whether it's I have a million thoughts in my mind all the time and I can't focus on anything because I just have all these thoughts, right? These are all different things. So it's important to talk to a mental health professional to figure out what it is because then you can get the right treatment. And, and that is the purpose of a diagnosis, truly. So for a provider, once I assign a diagnosis to this cluster of symptoms, there are peer-reviewed evidence-based treatments that we do. Right? So behavioral activation is an evidence-based treatment that we use for depression and we use it because it's so successful. Now for ADHD, we're gonna use similar but different uh, treatment. So behavior modification in a different way. And this is more like uh, time management skills, problem solving skills, and really setting up ways um, to organize your personal workspace, those sorts of things. And again, if we have anxiety, we're gonna do a whole different set of treatments. So we're gonna be looking at these thoughts, checking out how accurate they are, um, and reducing avoidance behaviors because avoidance maintains anxiety. Oh, I don't want to do that. And, you know, coming back to ADHD, oftentimes people who have anxiety, they look like they're impulsive because it's this, this natural aversion to like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel uncomfortable or do that. So I'm going to immediately change my behavior. And you're avoiding engaging with whatever that is or avoiding feeling the feeling which creates more problems later on and i think a lot of people can relate to impulsive spending is a big one that just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up and, and that's a way of self-soothing and again everything in moderation if you do a little bit yes it's self-soothing self-care great you do a lot of it and it becomes a problem and where is the behavior coming from, right? That's what we want to look for. One thing that you said is, you know, if you wake up in beast mode, like, wow, more power to you, you're kind of in the minority. Um, how do you begin to realize when, okay, I'm just a normal human being that's waking up and it's Monday and I don't really want to face five days of work versus, all right, like this lack of motivation is something where I need to begin to think about external treatment. So if you're having a couple of days here and there, um, that you're feeling really unmotivated, that's probably situational. And you may be able to identify what situation it is. We have a lot of college students going back to school now, right? So the school year just started. A lot of people may feel very overwhelmed very unmotivated because you just spent three months hopefully enjoying your summer and so the transition back to school can feel very overwhelming and unmotivated and you could have all these other things going on so if you're in college you could be looking for an internship or applying to med school or signing up for a lab or trying to get into all these social groups and so each one of these things takes a toll and even though these are positive events it can feel very overwhelming and taxing, and then your your energy stores are just zapped. So it's hard for you to get up and get going because there's just so much on your plate. So when it becomes more persistent, lasting over a week, 
then it's becoming more of a problem and something you should really seek help for. And not on TikTok, right? <laughs> Please don't go to TikTok for help. <laughs> Another thing that I, I wanted to ask you about, just because I, I know it's it's prominent in my own life, is that, you know, it's it's never a linear progression. You're, you're going to have your good days and your bad days. Uh, you're going to, you know, fall off the wagon every once in a while. And getting back on can seem like the hardest thing. Um, you know, I might have like four or five days where I eat really healthy. And then one day I just I feel like I've completely lost it and I've eaten way too much or one day where I'm just really organized and doing everything. And then another day where I just can't get going, but you know, and, and that setback, you know, can throw you into a cauldron um, or into just a, a deep abyss where it's really hard to climb back out of. But what are kind of some of the interventions that you can do yourself to say, okay, you know, I had one back day, but I'm just going to get right back on the horse so that, you know, you know, two steps forward, one step back doesn't become two steps forward, three steps back. One thing that you're talking about here is in, in the addiction world, we call it the abstinence violation. <laughs> so if you've been abstinent, let's say for six months, and then you have a slip and you end up drinking one day, you, you really have a choice here, right? We always have choices. So you can look at this situation as, oh, I failed. I'm just going back to my old habits. And it, you can feel really demotivated and feel like the last six months of work that you did was all for nothing. Or you can look at this as right, healing and progress isn't always linear. A lot of times it's cyclical. I made a mistake. This is where self-compassion and forgiveness comes in. And understanding that we're human and we do make mistakes. But that six months doesn't go to waste because you still have six months of sobriety and nobody can take that away from you. The same thing is true for any other thing that we're struggling with or, or working through, right? So a lot of times people with depression have reoccurring episodes of depression. And so sometimes that feels very daunting because of how horrible it feels when you're in it and thinking, oh, in the future, I can go through this again. The important part is remembering that you've gotten through it before. So we're checking the facts here. Where's the evidence that you can get through this? Well, I have before. I have many times. I've done it three times this year, and although it's exhausting, I know that each time I can get through them. We always want to check the facts and looking at our past behavior. Do we have evidence of working through this obstacle? Well, yes, we do. Okay, so that means that you can do it again. And if you're having trouble, again, that's where it's important just to reach out for help. Sometimes we need support from a friend or family member, and sometimes we need support from a mental health professional. You don't have to do it all on your own. One word that really stuck out to me that you said was failure. Um, and I don't know if I'm just extrapolating to an entire population of people from my own life and whatnot, but I feel like with what I suffer from, like, Failure seems like such a daunting word and something that plays on my mind almost every day with like, I failed and I look at people who either maybe aren't going through this or, you know, don't think of failure as failure. They think of it as, as trying something. Um, but I think, and, and I think partly it's ingrained in our society, but that idea of like failure being the worst thing in the world when in fact not being afraid to fail is the first step towards success. 
is that something that you come up against a lot where you see people go, I failed or I'm afraid to fail or, you know, this failure has me depressed uh, rather than just, you know, I'm trying, I'm doing, I'm, you know, more of the, I don't, I don't win or lose. I either win or I learn, or mm-hmm. even in, you know, not getting to where I wanted to be, I still had X, Y, and Z successes. So this, this is huge, right? And especially working with college students, it comes up a lot in academia because there is this kind of attitude in the academic world, like you're not allowed to fail. That failure is not okay, it's not an option. And when I am working with interns, I actually encourage them to fail in some ways because that is where the best learning takes place. Does it suck? Does it feel awful? Yes. But the nice thing about that is I bet you will not make that mistake again. And that lesson will often stay with you so much longer than all the successes. And I've actually seen in very intelligent individuals who are high achieving, high performing, it's almost like the lack of failure, the too much success is a problem because then when they do encounter a problem for the first time really, or they're trying to go through something that uh, they don't know how to get through, they're almost at a disadvantage because they've never had to do this before. They don't know how to handle it. And uh, it becomes even more jarring for them because they, they just can't handle it. So failure is not terrible. I do look at failure as a growth opportunity. And it can be really hard to change that mindset to get there. But that is the difference, right? Absolutely. And Dr. Cavallero, before we let you go, we talked about not going to TikTok or other forms of social media for your diagnosis. Where can people go uh, to get the information they need, to get the resources that they need, to make a proper assessment of maybe where they are and then to seek out the proper treatment to see if that's in fact what they do need. Well, that's really where you want to go to a mental health professional, right? If you're really concerned about something, go to a mental health professional so that you can get an appropriate diagnosis. Um, you know, even Googling these symptoms, whether the, all this stuff, it, it doesn't take into account the full picture, right? It doesn't take into account you as a full person. And and that's the important part of actually talking to somebody. You often go through an intake where somebody gathers a lot of information about you. And instead of just looking at these three or four symptoms that you're talking about, we look at you as a whole person. And then we can come up with an assessment and diagnosis that truly fits if it does. Sometimes people are just going through a tough time and that is perfectly normal and you can go from there. Well, Dr. Cavallero, thank you so much for joining us here on Shortwave's Lasting Impact, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be vulnerable. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was immensely brave, and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to your story, so I appreciate you sharing that with everyone. It was my pleasure. Thank you again to Dr. Cavallero, and thank you to everybody for joining us here on Shortwave's Lasting Impact. Until next time.